0: Welcome to this message from Eastwood Baptist Church, one church with two locations in Bowling Green and Alberton, Kentucky. To learn more, visit eastwoodbc.org. Now may the Lord bless you in the hearing of His holy word. If you grab your seat, grab your copy of God's Word, go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians 5. You know, there are some people in this world, man, they are just made to be an adventurous person. I mean, they just have that spirit, right? They're afraid of nothing. They see a challenge and they don't back down. They see a challenge and it excites them, kind of like, you know, Captain Kirk, right? He wants to boldly go where no man has gone before. And for the bravest, the strongest, the most daringest here on earth, this desire for adventure very well may push them to be a mountain climber. Anybody would consider yourself kind of a climber, a rock climber, a mountain climber here? Anybody? Is Is that a passion for anybody here? Anybody enjoy doing the artificial faces? Anybody like doing those? Yeah, we got some folks that like to do those. Okay. All right. You know, perhaps the most sought after mountain climbing trophy is what's called the Seven Summits Challenge. You can see sort of a picture of it here of a map of the world. To complete this challenge, a person must climb the highest mountain on all seven continents. Now the list there of the, of the, seven, uh, of the seven mountains, the ones that count, I mean it depends on how technical you want to get. If you want to count land or plate tectonics or all this other stuff, you can totally nerd out on it if you want to. But uh, uh, there are a couple mountains on the list that are disputed, but, but most, the most accepted list today includes the mountains that you see here. And I'm going to go through them from shortest to tallest. The uh, the shortest is is, is Mount Poonkong Jaya at 16,000 feet in Indonesia. It represents the Australian continent. Mount Vinson at 16,100 feet in Antarctica. Mount Elbrus at 18,500 feet in Europe. Kilimanjaro at 19,300 feet in Africa. Mount McKinley, or or, or more popularly known today as Denali, at 20,300 feet in North Africa. Uh, in, in South America, uh, Aconcagua at 22,800 feet. And then the granddaddy of them all, the seventh one, at 29,000 feet in Asia is Mount Everest. I mean, could you imagine climbing all of those things? I mean, that's nothing I want to be a part of. But over 400 people have went into the history books as have having completed all seven mountains. And some of them, they're like, you know what, since there's a disputed list, we'll go ahead and climb an eighth and a ninth. You know, they don't wanna stop. They wanna make sure that they, every list that they can get on, they get that one taken care of. Today we begin our preaching series that we're calling the Hymns of Christmas. And we've already sang this song this morning. Today's hymn is the title of today's message Go Tell It on the Mountain. Go Tell It on the Mountain. This next Sunday, we're preaching this message today. This is sort of a missions message, okay? Because next Sunday is our annual March to the Manger where we're going to receive the Lottie Moon Christmas offering for the International Mission Board. So just to prepare everybody, sort of what we're talking about here. All right, so next Sunday, um, we, we pray that you'll come prepared to give a special offering For the International Mission Board, we call it the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering. That's what we call it as a Southern Baptist Convention. And we'll actually literally have a manger up here. We'll have an opportunity in the service to circle around and to put in that that special offering that goes 100% toward missions uh, internationally outside of North America. And so that's going to happen next Sunday. And so this morning, this Sunday, my prayer is to awaken your heart and your mind to the vast spiritual need that is around the world, all right? People around the world need to hear Christ proclaimed, right? If we've been called, as we have, to go tell it on the mountain that that Jesus Christ is born, that that Jesus Christ lived the holy life that we cannot live, that, that Jesus Christ died the death that we deserve and an awful death it was, That Jesus rose again from the dead and that all who repent and believe on Jesus uh, will will be saved and have their sins forgiven and they'll have life everlasting. If we've been called to do that, then the best place to go do it is on a mountain. Amen? The highest place to cover the most people. What better place than to go to the mountains? And As I think about go-telling it on the mountain, I think about these seven summits. These seven tallest mountains on each continent if we think about the world in terms of those people who are in the shadow of those mountains on those continents, let me just give you a few numbers to think about this morning. How many people still need to hear about Jesus in the shadow of each one of these mountains? Now, a moment ago, I listed the mountains from shortest to tallest. This time, I'm going to list the mountains from the most needy to hear the gospel to the least needy to hear the gospel. Actually, I'm going to do it the other way. I'm going to do, yeah, least needy to most needy. So here we go. Let's try this. Antarctica. Nobody lives in Antarctica, Thank, thankfully, right? So we're off the hook. You can go ahead and take Mount Vincent and, and cross it off, okay? Second, though, is Mount uh, Jaya. It overlooks the Australian uh, continent and the rest of Oceania. That region there is 48% without Christ, 48%. Now, if, you, if you're taking notes, write down this number. 19 million people is represented by that number right there. 19 million people who need Jesus. Third, the, the, the third uh, least needy, or as we move up the list here, Mount McKinley or Denali overlooking North America. You can see it up there in the top left corner. North America is 23% without Christ. It's probably even lower than that, right? These are people who, you know, we live in the South. I mean, everybody's a Christian, aren't they? Everybody claims to, to know Jesus. But if we put that in number, here's the number you need to write down. 133 million people in North America need Jesus. 133 million people here in North America, Canada, Canada. United States, Central America, need Jesus. Next would be Mount Elbrus, overlooking Europe. Now, Europe at once was the bastion, right? It was the home of the Western church, right? It was totally Christianized, but increasingly it is becoming less and less Christian. At this point, 24% of Europe is without Christ. That represents 178 million people. Anconquagua, uh there in South America, supposedly. When you think about South America, very Catholic, the whole place, right? The Catholic Church sort of went through and, and set up shop down there. And, and so many of the folks there claim to know Christ through the Catholic Church. They are baptized into the Catholic Church. But so many of them have nothing to do with Jesus. Supposedly in South America, only 8% are without Christ. 92% of the people in, in South America claim to be Christian. But when you actually look at, do they, does, does the church, does Jesus have any part of their life? And only half of the people there actually have any life with Christ at all. So it's, most, it's more likely that 50% of South America is without Christ. Here's the number to write down if you're taking notes. 211 million people there. 211 million people who need Jesus. Next is Kilimanjaro, overlooking the African continent. There in Africa, they are 67% without Christ. That's, here's the number, 836 million. 836 million people who need Jesus. And just like Mount Everest was the tallest mountain, Mount Everest on this list is overlooking the neediest region of our planet when it comes to lostness, okay? I mean, this number is just staggering, okay? When when, when you think about Asia, Mount Everest overlooking Asia, it is 94% without Christ. 94% Without Christ. Here's the number. We're we're out of the millions at this point. The number is 4.2 billion people in Asia that need Jesus. That number, the number of lost people in Asia alone, is 56% of the entire world's population. And when we add all of these people together on each continent, these seven continents represent at least. 5.6 billion people on planet Earth who need Jesus Christ. That is three out of every four people walking planet Earth right now need Jesus Christ as their Savior. That means that three out of every four, if they were to take their last breath today, they would die and go straight to hell. Now, as I say that this morning, some of you don't believe that. Some of you don't believe that when a person dies without Christ, they die and go to hell. Some of you here this morning, you think that nobody will go to hell. That God in the end... He'll just forgive everybody even though they never repented of of their sins, although they never trusted in Jesus. Let me just say to you this morning, if you believe that nobody will go to hell, that God is going to save everybody, I want to say to you this morning, that's found nowhere in the Bible. Nowhere in the Bible is that found. Some of you here believe this morning that those who never hear about Jesus will not go to hell because they never had the chance to hear the gospel. But again, let me ask you a question. Where is that found in the Bible? It's not. It's not found in the Bible. Beloved, listen to me. People do not go to hell because they rejected Jesus. People go to hell because they are dead in their trespasses and sins and are rebels against God. And still maybe others in you here believe that people will have a second chance. I mean, after they die and and, and the curtain is pulled back and they see God for who he really is and they see what their life and what eternity really is all about, that they'll get this second chance to repent and believe on Jesus then. But again, I say to you this morning, where is that found in the Bible? The Bible's clear. It's appointed for man to die once. And then comes judgment. There's no such thing as a post-death second chance. So I say that to raise the heat. To raise the stakes for what we're talking about here. 5.6 billion people without Christ. Their only hope is Jesus Christ. And my job and your job is to get that hope to them through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can't sit around and hedge our bets. We can't do it theologically. We can't do it well it, out of love. So here's today's takeaway. Here's what I want you to walk out the doors with this morning. We as ambassadors of Christ have a message of reconciliation to go tell the world. We as ambassadors of Christ have a message of reconciliation, to go tell the world. That's what our text teaches this morning. So I'm going to invite you to stand. I want you to stand with me this morning as we read our text, Second Corinthians 5, verse 16 through 21, one of the most important passages in all the Bible. God's word says this. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God is reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Christ, we God, we want to have our eyes open this morning. We want to have our minds open this morning. But most of all, God, we want our hearts to be opened. God. There are those here this morning we've, we've become apathetic to the hopelessness of this world without Christ. I pray you would just stir in us this morning and awaken in us this morning, God, that evangelical zeal. The gospel zeal, Lord, to see people hear the message of Jesus and trust in Christ. And Father, I I, I just want to recognize that there are those here this morning in our midst who have yet to repent and believe in Jesus. Father, I pray that you would Get it through their skulls this morning, Lord. You love their skulls, and you want to penetrate their skulls and get down into their heart, God, that they would see their sin and hate their sin and see Christ crucified and run to Christ in faith and love and be saved. That's what we pray happens this morning, God. It's in Jesus' name we ask this. And all God's people said, amen. Go ahead and grab a seat if you would. So... We as ambassadors of Christ, we have a message of reconciliation to go tell the world. And here in our text, we have the crux of what that message is. What is our message? Three things that our text tells us. First, our message of reconciliation is, first, you can be new in Christ. That's what we're going to go tell the world, right? You can be new in Christ. One of my favorite shows on TV, on A&E, or maybe it's the History Channel. I guess it's the History Channel. It is American Pickers. Any American Picker fans out there? Man, I love that show. I love that show. In fact, uh, one of the neatest moments, you know, uh, happened. uh, Zachariah and Elijah and I, we were at at my old church down in Tennessee, uh, West Main Baptist Church on West Main Street in Alexandria, Tennessee, right? A a, a city of like uh, 3,000 people in the zip code. Very small. And we're pulling out of the parking lot, getting ready to head home. And I can't pull out yet because here comes this white van down West Main Street. And it gets closer, and I say, man, that van looks kind of familiar. And guess who it was, man? It was Frank and Mike. They drove right in front of me. We're all like, what? Right there. So we we, we waved, and they went by, and we didn't go home. We followed them, right? I want to see where these dudes are going. And so they went down just a few blocks from where the church was to this place that love to store junk and old gas uh, gas uh, tanks and and uh, fill up gas fill up machines. What do they call them? What gas pumps? There we go. That's right. That's the word I'm looking for. And so they were down there picking in my town gas filler up machines. Right. I'm I'm going to coin that. All right. (laughs) And so they were down there picking. But I love that show because I, I think about all the times that they come. And they find junk. I mean, to me, it's junk. To us, it's junk. And sometimes, man, they pull out, they dig out, like especially like old motorcycle parts, old bicycle parts. I mean, they dig out some of the rustiest, most roached out stuff that folks, most folks would say, man, that just belongs on a scrap heap. But they see hope. They see value in that stuff. And then they get it into the hands of people who can restore them. Right? They, they take what's broken, they take what's weathered, they take what's worn, and they make it new. And I want to say this morning, beloved, that's what God does. That's what God does. In Revelation 21:5, God tells us, Behold, watch this, basically is what he's saying. I am making all things new. And while it is true that the whole universe. The whole created order will one day be made new at the end of the age. God is starting with you and me. He's starting with you and me in this renewal process. He wants to take sinners and make them new. He wants to take those who are lost and make them new. Those who are broken and make them new those who are burned out, bombed out, those who are tapped out, he wants to take them and make them new. That's why 2 Corinthians 5, 16 and 17 is such a beautiful passage of Scripture. It says, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. In Jesus Christ, we get a second lease on life, church. Right In Christ, through Jesus, we're born again to a new way, to a, to a new life. That heart of stone is replaced with a heart of flesh. That life of rebellion is replaced with a life of surrender. And there are people all over this world who have no idea, no idea at all that God is making this offer to them. They are walking around in utter brokenness. I mean, if you were to see the squalor and the spiritual depravity with which they live in, you would weep. And they just plug a day in and a day out. They just do it because it's what they've always done. They don't know any better. And God has called us to go tell them that God wants to trade in this old, rusty, junky, roached-out life for a new life. And it's our job to get the word to them. You can be new in Christ. But not only is our message that that you can be new in Christ, second our message, this message of reconciliation to the world also includes you can be forgiven in Christ. Not just new, but you can be forgiven. Look at verse 18 and 19 of 2 Corinthians 5 here. It says, All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Beginning all the way back in the Garden of Eden, the dawn of creation, something universally cataclysmic happened. Adam sinned. Our first father, our, 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 the, the first human that God created, that he formed out of the dust of the ground and blew life into that, that, that creature, that creation, that human being, something cataclysmic, happened, Adam sinned. And when Adam sinned, he was separated from God. And all of Adam's posterity, all of Adam's children, all of Adam's descendants were separated from God with him. Adam stood as our federal head, our representative head. And in that moment, all of humanity, every one of us, were thrown in with him, separated from God. Bearing the curse of sin. From conception, we are born into sin. And we owe a debt to God. And then what do we do with that debt? We don't dig ourselves out. Right? We add to the pile. Racking the a debt that, that we don't want to pay. Kind of like the student loan situation around America. You know what I'm talking about? Now listen, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. But I know many of you have had, or you have now, or you will one day have a student loan. And man, it has grown here in America to crisis proportions. I mean, just listen to this number. One trillion dollars right now people owe here in America to a university or a college. Actually, they they owe it to the government. Is who they owe it to, right? The the government paid the school already. And many of them, they they can't pay it back. It's, It's just too high of a debt. And nothing will take that debt away except paying it off. That you can't file bankruptcy and get rid of a student loan, right? The only thing you can do to get rid of a student loan is to pay back that debt. And students, man, they're racking it up like crazy. They have no idea the the debt that they're racking up, right? They, They have no idea the number. And they'll never be able to repay it. That's how it is with sin as well. People are walking around piling up a sin debt to God, never realizing that one day they're going to have to pay for that sin, right? Their very souls in hell, they must pay for those sins. And while there's no forgiveness with the federal government, praise God, there is forgiveness with God, right? There is forgiveness with God for this sin debt. How can this be? I mean, if God is just, how can God just, 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 Forgive this sin. I mean, it must be paid for. And the truth of the matter is that that's right. Jesus stepped in and paid the debt for us. That's what it's talking about in verse 18 and 19 again. All this is from God. Here it is. Who through Christ. You see, there's no forgiveness. There's no reconciliation without Jesus Christ. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Just picture that, guys. He reconciles us. He wins us. He forgives us. And then he puts us in the army to go out and tell the world of this reconciliation. We get to pass that forgiveness on. Verse 19 that is, in Christ, God is reconciling the world to Himself. Here's the forgiveness aspect not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. We need to help people understand. That they owe a debt. There are people walking around this planet and have no idea that they owe, an, they, they, they owe a debt to God. Their sin has racked up a debt to God. And we've got to go show them. The Ten Commandments clearly display and, 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 and show, manifest the sinless of the world. And then we've got to help them understand that there is forgiveness in Jesus Christ, right? That Christ lived the life we cannot live, died the death we deserve, rose again from the dead, and invites all who repent and believe in Him to be forgiven all over the world. People need to hear this. But I don't want to speak to out there all, only, because right here in this room, there are those of you that need to be forgiven. You've never repented of your sin. You've never trusted in Christ. And I'm calling you today. God is calling you today. Repent and believe in Jesus and be forgiven. But not only is our message that you can be new in Christ and that you can be forgiven in Christ, but finally our message of reconciliation to the world also includes you can be made righteous in Christ. You can be made righteous in Christ. Look at verse 20 and 21. Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that we in him might become the righteousness of God. Basically what he's saying there's there's this great trade. Jesus takes our sin and Jesus gives us his righteousness. And through Jesus you can be 100% holy in Jesus. No one gets into heaven unless they're holy. No one gets into heaven unless they're perfect. And the only way you receive that is through grace, right? Grace through faith in Jesus. So that's the message that you and I have to get out to the world, right? We're ambassadors. It's our job. Every one of you, not just the preacher, not just Pastor Will, right? Not just the deacons, not just Pastor Ed, Pastor Tom, whatever pastor else you want to throw in there. Not just the men of the church, not just the women, right? Not just the children, right? It's everybody. It's our job. If you are a follower of Jesus, your job is to get this message of reconciliation out. But how do we do it? How do we do it? Two ways. I think it's important for us to close on this morning. How do we accomplish this purpose? This, this purpose. This task. One, we do it as an individual. We accomplish this task as an individual right? Individually, every Christian is to be an evangelist. Wherever we go, that's what it means to be missional, all right? Missional means wherever you go, man, every day, day in and day out, you take the name of Jesus with you, and you are looking, and you're fishing, and you're finding ways to share the gospel with somebody. At work, at at school, on the playground, in the neighborhoods, on the ball fields, Wherever you are, you are an ambassador of Jesus Christ. But secondly, we accomplish this task as a team. As a team. We here at Eastwood Baptist Church, we, we are proud to be a part. We are glad to be a part of the Southern Baptist Convention. And the primary reason that we're, we're, we're thrilled to be a part of that is the missions emphasis, the missions mobilization that happens through our denomination, through our convention. Through our International Mission Board, which which is basically everywhere outside of North America, we send out hundreds of missionaries right now in the field because we support them. We're part of that team. Missionaries like this couple right here. You might not be able to see them from back there, but some of you may recognize. That's Whitney Jackson. How many of y'all know Whitney Jackson that used to be an administrative assistant here at Eastwood? Well, that's Whitney and her husband, Brian Just this past week, they mobilized with the International Mission Board to go to Japan, to tell Japan. Now listen to this. Japan, a nation that is 99% lost. 99% lost. They have uprooted, they've moved to go tell that nation about Jesus. There are many others just like them. But here's what I want you to understand. While there are missionaries like them, it takes us and the other partnering churches, the other cooperating churches, right, to support these teams, right? It takes a team to go. It takes people to go and it takes people to send. And if we're going to send, it takes money. And so this next Sunday, this next Sunday, we do this one time a year for international missions. This next Sunday is your opportunity as a church to bring an offering that 100% of the gift that you bring will go directly to support missionaries like Whitney and like Brian and hundreds of others. Eastwood will not keep a penny of it. The Kentucky Baptist Convention won't keep a penny of it. The Southern Baptist Convention won't keep a penny of it. It will go directly to the International Mission Board. Now, here's the goal. The goal for the International Mission Board is this number right here. 160 million. That sounds like a lot, doesn't it? But you know what? We've met that goal as a denomination before, and I believe we will do it again. But here's the goal for Eastwood. The goal for Eastwood is 75,000. And let me say again, we often blow that number out of the water because the people of Eastwood are convinced that the lost must hear the gospel and that we are partners, we are a team in getting that gospel out through prayer, going ourselves, but also through giving. And so I want to just put the seed in there right now, to plant the seed to begin to pray. What will God lead you to give next Sunday for the International Mission Board? Whether we go to the mountain ourselves or whether we send somebody to the mountain as a team, we are to go tell on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. To Australia under Mount Puncak Jaya. To Antarctica even under Mount Vinson. To Europe under Mount Elbrus, to Africa under Kilimanjaro, to North America under Denali, to South America under Aconcagua, and to Asia under Mount Everest. 5.6 billion people need to hear that Jesus saves. And we get to be a part of the team that gets that message out. Here's my final prayer. May Christmas remind us to lovingly shout from the mountaintops, Jesus is the Savior of the world. Hi there, this is Pastor Ben. I have something really important to ask you, but first I want to say thank you for taking the time to make this digital connection with us through our podcast. I hope the message you just listened to was a blessing, but an even greater blessing than this digital connection would be for you to connect with us in person this coming Sunday at one of Eastwood's two campuses where we get the joy of living life together in Jesus' name. And now for that really important question, which is the most important question you'll ever answer. Where do you stand before God? Now, based on what you've done The straightforward answer is that you stand guilty and condemned before God. You are a sinner who completely deserves God's wrath forevermore in hell. And I deserve the same thing also. I mean, every person does. Guys, that's terrible news. And even worse is the fact that there's nothing you can do in and of yourself to change that. You need a Savior. But I have good news. God loved the world so much that He sent Jesus to be your Savior. Jesus came and lived the perfect life that you cannot live and he stood condemned on the cross dying the death you deserve. And three days later, Jesus was raised from the dead to prove to everybody that he is indeed the Savior of the world. And now Jesus longs to change your standing before God by making a trade with you. He desires to take what you've earned, which is the wrath of God in hell, and to give you in return what He has earned, which is the blessing of God in heaven. When this trade happens, instead of standing guilty and condemned before God, you will stand forgiven and righteous with the promise of everlasting life. So what must you do to have your standing before God changed? First, admit to God you are a sinner. Second, hate your sins. Turn from them and ask God to forgive you. And finally, turn to Jesus in faith and love, putting your complete hope in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and follow Him until the day you die. Wherever you are listening to this podcast, Jesus is ready to make this trade with you. And I pray that you would trust in Jesus and be saved. Thank you again for connecting with us, and I hope to see you soon at Eastwood Baptist Church.